Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning this week a beautiful Chassidic discourse. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called Padda B'Shalayim. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Mitzayi Shabbos Parshas Vayetzei, which that Shabbos was the ninth of Kislev, which is the night before the tenth of Kislev, in the year Tavshin Lamites, forty-four years ago, which is connected to the birth and the passing and the liberation of the second Chabad Rebbe, the Mitzvah Rebbe. Ten years later, in the year Tavshin Tess, in honor of ninth and tenth of Kislev, the Rebbe went ahead and certified and edited this Chassidic discourse exactly when thirty-four years ago. So again, the Chassidic discourse is based on the verse. Which says in the Psalms, where King David says, Pada nafshi. You redeem my soul in peace, me krovli, from those that were close to me, kibirabim hoyui madi, because, because many, multiple people with me. So the Rebbe says that the Mithla Rebbe, we call the Balagula, the one that's celebrating his redemption, in a Hasidic discourse with this verse, which is actually printed in one of the holy books called Shari Tshuva, the Gates of Repentance, and he explains as follows. When it says, Pada B'Shalim, he redeemed in peace, and specifically, I was redeemed in peace. In other words, what does that mean, he was redeemed in peace? That in a way that the opposition totally got nullified. There was no opposition. And once there's no opposition, you don't need war. In other words, you can be redeemed in a way that you still have opposition, or Bashalim with his peace. What does that mean? The whole opposition is gone. And like, for example, like in the days of King Solomon, that all the nations of the world were totally nullified in, in reference in front of King Solomon. Not through war. And that's why one of the reasons why he's called Shloima, his name is called Shloima, because Shloima comes from the word of Shalom peace. In his days, it was real peace. All opposition got totally nullified in front of King Solomon. And he continues to point out in the Chassidic Discourse that when you, that what did we just learn? Padre means what type of uh, redemption was there? There was no opposition. Like just like the king's, uh, days of King Solomon. So if that's the case, if you're in a situation where there is no opposition, so why do you need redemption? If it's Shalom, peace, where there's no opposition, so why do you need redemption? In other words, he explains as follows. explains as follows. What does that mean? Because what does it mean, Padabashalim? You can say that the that the peace came after the redemption. In other words, that there was there was a there was a, there was an issue, there was a redemption, and the redemption came not through war but through peace. But what are we saying? That Padabashalim, that the the redemption was in a way of peace. But if the redemption was in a way of peace, then why do you need to be redeemed? If there's no opposition, what's the idea of redemption? And the goes on to explain as follows. In this verse, what does it say in the verse itself? Pada, I was redeemed. Mikrovli, from those that were close to me. And notice this, that he was redeemed from the wars that are coming on, uh, uh, coming over King David. <clears throat> so how is it possible that he was redeemed and it was a way of peace? It's two opposites. If he was redeemed in a way of peace... So then, if that's the case, what does it mean? Recrovely, that they were, they were close to me, they were combating with me. So the Rebbe goes on to explain to me, he says like this. These two ideas of Pada B'Sholem, that I was redeemed in peace, where again, there's no opposition, and Recrovely, those that were combating against me, it's not only opposites, but it's extreme opposites, it's polar opposites. Why is that? Because why is, what's the reason why a, a, a war is called Krov, close. And those, 
if it's close, why is it a war? In other words, a war is the opposite of close. A war is I'm here and you're there and we, there's two enemies. But what is, Karav is actually comes from an expression that we're close to each other. So why is it called Karav in, a, in a relation to a war? And they explains it to the discourse. Because the real and the intensity of the war is when it's one-on-one combat. When the war is close. So the, so, and the government explains that in a war, there's two times of ways to do war. One is where one person is on one side, the other person is on the other side, far away from each other. And they throw things from one side to the other, whether it's um, uh, swords, uh, uh, other ammunition, etc. You're throwing from one side to the other. That's one type of war. People are in arm's length, more than arm's length, they're, they're in a distant way, and this one's throwing from here, this one's throwing from here. That's one, li- type, of, that one type of war. Or the other type of war is combat, one-on-one combat. And literally, you're, 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 like, you're, you're interacting one with the other in a physical way. Like it says in the Torah, that, he, that, he, that, he, that, he, that they, they, with the angel with Yaakov, they were literally in one-to-one combat. They literally came close to each other, not only in space, but literally their bodies got, got interacted. Up to the point that the two people that are fighting, they're literally they're, they're attacking one, each other, one, one, one another. So in other words, so when you so you see that when it says krav, even though it sounds like close, but no, but in reference to war, that is the hardest war. That is the most that is the most dangerous war when it's one to one combat. So again, so one hand we see that krav is referring to what what type of war? The most intense war. On the other hand, when it says is shalom in the verse, and when what is what type of peace are we talking about? Not just talking about regular peace. We're talking about the ultimate in peace. And like the, like the Mithler explains in the Chassidic Discourse that what is the true idea of being redeemed in peace that, and it's a very powerful idea, he says, that those that were originally opposition, your opponent that was originally against you, that wanted to attack you and destroy you, and I'll quote, I'll say it in Hebrew, they literally become true, true best friends. They love each other. So Shalom is not just regular peace. But it's a high level of peace where your opposition becomes your friend. And this level of, of, of shalom peace is even higher than the peace that we mentioned for, before in the times of King Solomon. Why? Because the peace that took place in the times of King Solomon, they all got nullified because King Solomon was so powerful, so they got nullified. But they weren't transformed. They were, they were fighting for King Solomon. They were on his side. They just weren't going to stop because King Solomon was so strong. What is the true level of peace that your opposition becomes holy? And when is that going to happen? It's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Like it says in the prophets, and I'll quote and, and I'll translate, then eventually all the nations that have different voices and different visions are all going to have one, one, one tongue. They're all going to say, they're all going to agree with God. Up to the point where the prophet says, even the snake is going to be transformed to good. And like it says in the prophets clearly, that even the enemies are going to be in peace. That means even the snake is going to come peaceful with, 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 with God. And like, like, and like, and just like we know, before God created the world, before the sin of the Eitzadas, so it says in the Talmud that the snake was a big shamish. He was a big assistant. And matter of fact, the Talmud says one snake could have gone to the right and brought you stuff, and one could have left. And the snake was actually a friend, not something you have to worry about. That's going to bite you and going to, to create issues. But when Mashiach comes, even the snake is going to come back good. Not only that, there says, since we know. There's a concept in Kabbalah that says, Yurida Tzayrech Aliyah. 
Any times the downgrades, you don't look at, oh my gosh, terrible, something happened. No, no, you look at it because the downgrade is to bring a greater upgrade. So you have to say that this that we're going to transform and the, the snake is going to be transformed when Mashiach comes, it's going to be even higher than before the Chet Eitzadas. In other words, like this. There's three levels to the snake. Before he sinned, he was the big assistant, the Shamash Gadol. He could have gone brought stuff from here, brought stuff there. Then he sinned, unfortunately became a snake. When Mashiach comes, it's not only going to come back to be a Shamash Gadol like it says in the Talmud, but it's going to be even greater. So in other words, we're talking about the highest level of peace. So based on that, Rebbe brings back the question, what does it mean when it says Pada B'Shalim, Nafshi, and Shalom referring to the highest level of peace, and the Kravli in the, in, the, in the highest level of combat, the fact is, closeness, which is referring to intense combat, Shalom, the highest level of peace, where the enemy becomes a friend, it's totally opposites and polar opposites. So what does it mean, Pada B'Shalim, Nafshi Mi Kravli? If it's Bashalim, there's no Kravli. If it's Kravli, how's it Bashalim on the highest level? So now the Rebbe's going to explain it based on uh, what the, <coughs> with an introduction, what the Mithla Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe, explains in this Chassidic discourse, in this Chassidic discourse we mentioned before, this print in Shari Chuba, that these two components of Krav and Shalom, which are, again, till now we spoke on a physical level, Krav is the intense combat. Uh, and Shalom is the highest level of peace. We have it weird in our life every single day and possibly many times a day when we pray. So anytime we pray, in prayer in Hebrew, in, in, in Kabbalah, prayer is called Avoidasatvila, the work of prayer, because prayer is work. It's, you have to transform through prayer, you come closer to God. You work out all a lot of, a lot of things that's blocking you to become close to God. So, the, so again, so the Mitzvah says, these two components of the highest level of peace and the greatest intensity, where does that happen with us? When we pray. Now, the Rebbe says on a side note, just to point out, that in many places in Chassidus it's, it's explained that prayer is war. Because the godly soul, the animal soul, they're fighting for who's going to be focused. Are we going to be focused on God or focused on materialism or be distracted? And and like it says in the Zohar, and I'll say it in, in Aramaic and translate, the time of prayer, that's the real combat between the godly soul and the animal soul. So, and and on the other hand, what is what is the transformation, which is a level of peace? Menucha uh, and Shalom, that's through learning Torah. So again, so the Rebbe says that even though in general, in many places in Chassidus it says that peace is referring to learning Torah and combat is prayer, that's, that's, does mention that many places in Chassidus, but over here he's going to focus in that both components of peace and combat is within prayer. So even though generally prayer is the combat, he's saying that you have the component of peace as well in prayer. So in this Hasidic discourse of the middle of the Rebbe, he explains that even in the prayer, you have two components, the high level of peace and the combat. And he explains as follows. We know it says in the Shema that we should love Hashem with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with all our might. So what does that mean? So the Rebbe explains as follows. The Ava, the loving of Hashem, what does that mean? When you love God with your whole heart, it's referring to, we all know we have an, an Hashemah. In the Hashemah, we have five levels. We'll start from the bottom, which means the more, the more physical part, go to the higher, the more spiritual part. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama is the first, the three lower levels. And then you have Chaya and Yechida. So the, so the Mitzvah explains that the, when you love God with your whole heart, it's referring to Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. And, and why is that? Because even though, 
even though that when a person loves Hashem, so what's the idea of you loving Hashem? It's not only the godly soul of Hashem. The goal is that the animal soul, the Nefesh of Bahamas, should love Hashem. And as it says, we know it doesn't say Libcha, your heart, one heart, because Chalavavcha, plural hearts, because it's referring to both sides of the heart, the godly soul side and the animal soul side. The Nefesh of the Kiss and Nefesh of Bahamas. Now, but nevertheless, so even though by, by when we love Hashem with our whole heart, it's coming with our Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, and the, and the animal souls on board as well, but how do we um, inspire the animal soul, the Nefesh of Bahamas, should love Hashem? We do it through Avon Saga, through meditating. Uh, what do we meditate? And we try to inspire and teach the animal so that God is good. Now, so what happens like this? We're inspiring the intellect of the animal so that the God is good. And we know intellect is called a pnimi. It's an internal uh, f- uh, attribute that we have, that we think and we meditate, because it gets involved, pnimi gets involved in the thing that we're trying to transform. So therefore, the effect that the godly soul has on the animal soul, that the animal soul should love God, in other words, the, God, the nefesh of the kids gets involved in the animal soul. So in order for it to work, the, ne- the godly soul can't just think abstract stuff, just godly stuff. He has to be able to bring presentation and explain the animal soul that the animal soul say, ah, I agree. Yes, God is good. So what happens is when the godly soul is getting involved, the animal soul, it's, a, it's war, it's combat, because the godly soul just wants to connect to God. The animal soul just wants materialism, self-indulgence, and the godly soul inspires the animal soul that God is good. So we call that spiritual warfare. So again, just to recap, before we go for, for, forward. So when it says in the Shema, you should love God with your whole heart. What is it referring to? You both sides of your heart. The godly soul, the animal soul. And how is it done with the ne- level of nefesh, ruach, neshama of your soul? And with the godly soul is, so to speak, in combat with the animal soul to inspire it to, to that God is also good. That's the first level. What is the second level? The second level is with your whole soul. What is that referring to? Now already we're going to higher level in the soul or deeper in the soul, the level of Chaya. Now, Chai, even though generally speaking, never Shuruk Mashama is Pnimi, because it internalizes, it works with the intellect. Chai is called more makif, and the way the way the transformation takes place of the animal soul through this love, it's not where it gets involved to try to inspire it and try to teach it. But what happens is the tremendous power, the will of the godly soul, which is a will which is above logic. In Nefesh Ruach Neshama, it's using logic. In Chai, it's, the, it's, it's connected to that, you know, it's in Kesson, there's Tainig and Ratzin, it's referring to the Ratzin, and basically it's the will of Hashem, which is above intellect, and then what happens is, once the will of the godly soul wants to connect to God, so the will of the animal soul get, get, uh, gets pushed to the side. Now, so but the fact is like this, so the will of the godly soul overpowers the will of the animal soul. But why is the will of the animal soul being nullified? It's because the godly soul's will is very, very strong. In other words, what does that mean? It means the animal soul still has its wants and still has its desires. But what happens is the godly soul is much more powerful. So this is so. So therefore, because the godly soul is only like overpowering the animal soul on a level of chai, on a level of makif, on a level of rotzain, but the animal soul wasn't transformed, it's also war. Because the fact is, the natural state of the Nefesh of Bahamas, the animal soul, is it does have its own wants, it does have its own desires. It's, 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 it, it subdues it because the godly soul's power. So it's also called the level of, of, of Muhammad. So what do we see over here so far? Mechal above 
is war, the godly soul, the animal soul, on the level of intellect. Bechol nafshecha is war with the godly soul, the animal soul, on the level of will, but it's still war. So that is prayer in a level of war. So what does it mean? Part of a shaloyim nafshi that by, I'm redeeming my soul with peace in, in, in reference to prayer. That's referring to the love of bechol ma'aitcha. What's Mo'aitcha? So now we already did Nafesh Rukhmashamu, which is Lababcha. We never did Chai, which is Bechol Nafshacha. Mo'aitcha is referring to Yechida, the highest level, the most powerful part of our soul. Why? Because what happens on the level of Yechida, there is no counterpart in, 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 on the animal soul side. Like it's brought down in the Talmud, it says a famous story where someone saw a, a, a demon, and uh, he sa- then he saw a shadow of a demon, and then he saw a shadow of a shadow. So he said, so, so when he saw a shadow of a shadow, he said, maybe that's also a demon. He says, no, because in the, in, in the level of a shadow of a shadow, there's no room for, there's no room for, for other than godliness. In other words, what does that mean? When the Yechida, when the oneness is revealed, there is no opposite side. When you bring, when you bring out your Nefesh Ruach Neshama, you're dealing with intellectual levels, you have to combat the intellectual of the animal soul. When you're dealing with Chayo, the Ratzoin, which we call Nafshagas, you have to combat the, the Ratzoin of the animal soul. But once you pull out your Yechida, once you pull out that part where we're one with Hashem, there is no animal soul to combat with. And that is in a level of peace, because what's the word? There's no other side there, there's no opposition. It, well, it was in the level of Chay. You can say, what do you mean? The, the, will of the, the, will of, the will of the godly soul. But the fact is, there is still an opposition on the other side. So therefore, what happens is when Chai gets revealed, it doesn't nullify, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's other wills of the animal soul. What happened was that the godly soul overpowered it. But, but in order <coughs> to totally nullify the animal soul, that there should be no other want, that's when you pull out your Yechida. When you pull out your Yechida, when your Yechida's on the table, then there's nothing. So let's recap what Rebbe's saying is like this. In prayer, there's three levels. There's Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, which is intellect, and that's war with the animal souls, intellect. There's Chai, which is the will, Ratzayim, which is war with the animal's will. In both cases, God, will, God willing, we win. But then there's the highest level, which is Yechida. And when Yechida comes out, there's no opposition. Now, and there's no other will on the other side of Yechida. So Rebbe said he liked to connect this, which is known that this the fact that the, every single Jewish person has the power to go on a serious nefesh, self-sacrifice. And we know that self-sacrifice comes from where? From Yechida. When a person's going on self-sacrifice, that means your Yechida, the part of your soul, the deepest part of your soul is coming out. And it was this that a person is willing to give up his life. Why? Because he doesn't want to be disconnected from the one of Hashem. It's not coming from a place of will, because that's Chaya. Why? Because on that level, if it's your will, that means it's possible to be another will. But the reason is, when a, when a person goes from a serious nefesh means, he doesn't want to be disconnected. And let me explain, it's a deep concept, I was saying it like this. When a person has a will, and he wants to stay connected to Hashem, that's amazing. But the problem is, you can also have a will, you don't want to be connected to Hashem, because it's your will. When it comes to Yechida, you don't want to be disconnected. So there's no other opposite, there's nothing against it. <clears throat> so based on this, Rebbe explains, that's why it's brought in many places in Chassidus, that the Arba, the love of Bechol Ma'itcha, that's Mesirah Nefesh. Because when the Yechida comes out, there's no opposition. You don't want, there's no other will. But Rebbe asks the question, one second. The fact is like this. <clears throat> the, the, fact, the, fact, the, the, fact, the fact is as follows. <clears throat> Even when it comes to the love of Bechol Ma'itcha with your whole heart, and Bechol Nafshecha, 
You can also do Golem Asiris Nefesh. Why? Because when you love Hashem with your whole heart, it means a godly soul loves Hashem, and the animal soul loves Hashem. Or how much more so, when you have the will that you want to connect to Hashem, so what's the what's the we're saying that Mesiris Nefesh is only by Bechol Ma'aitcha only Yechida? Why can't Mesiris Nefesh be from a level Bechol Lebavcha Bechol Nafshcha from your intellect and from your emotions? And the Rebbe explains like this: because when you're dealing with Mesiris Nefesh, which is inspired from the love of Bechol Lebavcha from your whole heart, which means intellectually it makes sense for the godly soul and the animal soul, and the will from the godly soul uh, got the, the will of the animal soul on board, it means you want to go ahead of a serious nefesh. In other words, in the Ava, in the love of Bechol Lebavcha, your nefesh, ruach, and neshama, which is basically the will, which is based on logic and based on reason, or the love of Bechol Nafshecha, which is level of Chai, which is the will, which is above, above, above logic. So ultimately, it's your will. However, when a person has Mesiris Nefesh Bechol Ma'idcha, which is coming from the Yechida, it's not possible otherwise. It's not possible otherwise. In Bechol Levavcha, Bechol Nafshecha, it's coming from intellect and, 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 and will. Yeah, you want to go to Mesiris Nefesh, but it's possible not. You're choosing to. In Bechol Ma'idcha, there's no, there's no option of not. And that's why when it comes to Mesiris Nefesh, where's that, where's this, where's real Mesiris Nefesh? V'chol Ma'idcha. Why? Why is that? Because what is the ingredient, the key ingredient to Mesiris Nefesh? The key ingredient to Mesiris Nefesh is one word, and that is bitl. When a person is bitl, which means you give up any desire, any want, any need, there's no me. Bitl means I have no agenda. The only agenda is whatever Hashem wants. So, the serious nefesh is connected to bittel. There's no me. What does Hashem want? I'm ready to do it. Hashem doesn't want me, I won't do it. Where does real, true bittel come into play? That's when the mysterious nefesh is not because of will, I want. But it's coming from, because Hashem wants. So there was giving a fine line difference between the mysterious nefesh of Bechol Lebavcha, of Bechol Nafshecha, and Bechol Moedcha. When it's Bechol Abavcha and Bechol Nafshecha and you want to go on Messiris Nefesh, true, it's Messiris Nefesh. But guess what? It's you're going on Messiris Nefesh. So it's lacking the Bittal. However, when it's Messiris Nefesh and Bechol Ma'idcha, so you're doing it because Hashem wants. So that's Bittal. And Bittal is real Messiris Nefesh. So based on this, Rebbe explains, this is one of the reasons, the explanation, <coughs> that when a person wants to mevatel, wants to nullify all the wants, and all the desires and the strange desires of the animal soul is specifically weird by the love of Bechol Ma'oitcha. Why? Because the love of Bechol Lavavcha, Bechol Nafshcha, intellect and will. So from that level, true, you want to go on a serious nefesh. But there is a place in the mind somewhere that says, maybe not. Or a place in the will, maybe we should do it differently. Now, you're doing it, yes, but you're doing it because you want to do it. And it makes sense to you and it's your will. So obviously there's still somewhere buried the existence of the opposite side that would say maybe not. But when do you totally nullify the opposite side, totally it's eradicated, that's specifically by the love of Bechol Ma'idcha. Because when you're dealing with the love of Bechol Ma'idcha, it's not possible any other option. No other option is possible. Yeah, it's amazing. It makes sense and we're willing to do it. But there's room that it doesn't make sense, even though we're not going to buy it. And there's room that we don't want to do it, even though we're not, we're not accepting it.
But where's real Messias Nefesh? Because if there, there's no room for, there's no other option. This is the only option. <clears throat> okay. So what we just learned so far, just to recap. So we have the love of the Chol Levavcha, Chol Nashcha and specifically Ma'oitcha is connected to Messias Nefesh. Like we learned before, in the level of prayer on the high, on the on the high, on the highest level, where there's no room, there's no room for anything else. When it comes from the yichida, from the yichida, when the yichida is connected to mitl. Now, Rebbe goes on to explain as follows: In this Hasidic discourse of the Mittel Rebbe, so he explains over there that the war that takes place of the godly soul, the animal soul, where does that take place? It takes place as we learned in the nefesh, ruach, neshama, which is enclosed within within the, within the body and the animal soul. However, he says over there that in the level of makif of chaya and yechida, there's, there's no such thing as war. So, in other words, but later on the Chassidic discourse, he explains more detail that even in level chaya there is war, and the level of peace is in the level of yechida. So, in other words, like this: what they're saying is this. Till now, what we learn that in nefesh ruach neshama there is a war. It's not fully peace. And Chai is also war, the only place where it doesn't exist in the level of Yechida. But the Rebbe says, one second. The fact is, Mitzvah also explains on the level of Chai, it's also in the level where it's, where it's 100% peaceful. So how does it, how does it, how does it go to, how, how do the two line up? Is the level, level of Nefeshuch Neshama is real combat, we know that. The level of Yechida is 100% peace. The level of Chai, in one place in the Chassidic Discourse, he says that it is a level of Melchama uh, uh, war, and the other hand, it says, "No, it's not war; it's peace." So, so how, which one is it? And never explains it like this. So, never explains it based on um, what, King, what Hashem said to King David when he wanted to build a base of Mikdash. What did he tell him? So, he told him, "Dam shafachta. You spilt much blood, and because you were a warrior and you killed people, so even though you did it because I asked you to do it, but since bottom line is there was blood on your hands, therefore you cannot build my temple." You're going to have a son. He's going to be a, a, a man of peace, true peace, as we learned before with King Solomon. And he's going to build a temple for me. So in other words, but nevertheless, so on one hand, King David could not build a temple because he was a man of war. King Solomon was not a man of war. He was a man of peace. Never he was able to build a temple. But nevertheless, what does it say in the prophets? That the, the, the architectural, the, uh, the design of the base of Migdash did, did happen through King David. Like the prophet says clearly, miyad Hashem that from the hand I, I, I was inspired from Hashem, and then it says clearly that King David gave to King Solomon the the whole architectural structure of the base of Mikdash. So one second, the fact is like this: what did we just learn? Hashem said clearly, the temple is a place, the base of Mikdash, a place of peace and peace, a menucha, serenity, v'shalom, and peace. And that's why King David couldn't build it. Couldn't build it because he's a man of war. <clears throat> so if that's the case, if King David could not be associated with it, so how was he involved in the preparations for the temple? He was, had, he, if he was a man of war, why would you want him involved in the architectural structure? And the Rebbe explains like this. Because the fact is like this. When when <clears throat> King David wanted to build a base Mikdash, and how much more so when he prepared the, the sketch and the architectural drawings of the base of Mikdash, so when he wanted to do that, he was in a place of peace. And as we know, it says in the prophets, Hashem took away all the enemies from him, he was in a place of peace. Now, so 
when he was wanted to build a temple and when he was creating the plans, he was that moment he was in a place of peace. But how did he come to the place of peace? How did he come to a place of peace? He came to it through a wage of war. So therefore, because it came through a place of war, the building had to happen through King Solomon, who was a ish menucha, a man of, of, of peace, a menucha, and the, the term that we use is menucha batsam. He was in, in, in essence, he was a place of calm and peace, etc. Now, so what does that mean? So you see, there's two components. The, King David, when he was wanted to build it, yeah, he had to be in a place of peace. And when he made the architectural drawings, he was in a place of peace. But what, what, what? What created that place? War. However, King Solomon was naturally in a state of peace, always. So basically, this explains this is what this is what he says in the Hasidic discourse. In the level of Chai, it's also not possible to have war. Just like the level of King David after he was successful in the war. Why? Because the level of the lower level of Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, which is involved in the body and the animal soul, so what happens is when the, the, the way the godly soul affects the animal soul on the level of nefesh, ruach, and shaman intellect, it's, it's a way where it gets involved with the animal soul. Because the fact is the animal soul loves materialism and enjoys it. And the godly soul loves godliness. So it has to explain the animal soul in an intellectual way. It has to get involved with it. So that's called war. So there's no question, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama is 100% war. Because you have the godly soul's intellect, the animal soul's intellect, and the godly soul's intellect just wants godliness. The animal soul wants materialism, and the, go- the godly soul inspires the animal soul to also want godliness. However, when it comes to the level of Chai, so how does the godly soul impact the animal soul? doesn't get involved with a conversation, intellectual conversation, but because the will of God is so strong, so therefore the will of the animal soul goes away. So it's not real war, so it is a certain level of peace. But the fact is, even though it's a level of peace, because it's not engaging with it, it's not having discussions and arguments, the chai is where the will of God comes in, and automatically the will, the will of the animal soul goes away. But it's not, so, so it does create peace because there's no opposition where it's actively fighting, where you have to have discussions, etc. But nevertheless, this level of peace, it's not an essential peace. It's only because the, the will of the godly soul is so strong. Just like the, the peace that happened by King David after all the enemies dissipated. Why, why was it quiet? Because he won the war. So in other words, what they're explaining is like this. In the level of Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, that's one-on-one combat. What does that mean? The godly soul is constantly fighting with the animal soul on an intellectual level. By Chaya, it's peace. But it's not true peace because the will of the animal soul is still there, just the godly soul's will is much stronger. However, when it comes to nullifying the will of the animal soul, when the Yechida comes out... It's not that when Yechida comes out, the will of the animal soul goes away like the level of Chai. But when the level of Yechida comes out, there is no opposition. There is no room for opposite opposite will, wants, and desires. Just like the peace in the days of King Solomon. Because that, and that came, not because he won a war, but it was, it was, it was natural state. So in other words, like this. So you see from here, clearly, there's three levels. There's the level of Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, where it's literally combat. The godly soul is working with the animal soul. Then you have the level of Chaya, where it over, there is an existence of another will, but it overpowers it. And level of Yechida, there is no opposition. 
So the Rebbe says the same thing also applies when it comes to war, there's different levels. In other words, like this. <clears throat> there's different levels. In other words, you have the war that takes place by prayer, and like we learned before, what the Zoyer says, Shas Talaisa, the time of prayer is a time of one-on-one combat. Now, why is that? Because what happens is when a person is praying, you're not involved in the world. You go into a synagogue or you're at home, wherever you're praying, and you put on your talus and tefillin if you're a man, and you're over a mitzvah, etc., and you take out your prayer book, and you pray. So you're not really involved in the world. What's your job by prayer? You're trying now to focus and meditate on God and godliness, and when you focus on God and godliness, and you think about God, guess what? You start loving God, and you're in awe, awe of God. <clears throat> now, so that's what happens in prayer. But the fact is, you still have an animal soul. So your meditation has to be in a way that the animal soul should say, Wow, I love God. And the animal soul should also love God and be in awe of God. So on a certain level, it's not major war. It's, it, it's war, because you still have to inspire the animal soul. So it's called Cher Shosholim. It's a war of peace. In other words, in prayer, just to recap, what happens like this. You sit down, you're focusing on God, godliness. The, God, the godly soul is inspired, and then it brings with it the animal soul. So yeah, the animal soul is not on board, so it is war, but it's a war of peace. The, God, the animal will see the beauty of Hashem. That's one level of a war. Another level of war is when a person sits down to eat and drink. Like it says, like it says that when you're sitting out, I'll say it in, in, in Aramaic, Nama pum When you're sitting down to eat bread, it's with a sword. It doesn't mean only physically the knife to cut it, but it's a, it's a spiritual war. And so that's when, when you're eating and drinking. It's a war between the godly soul and the animal soul. And the same thing also any other bodily needs that you have. Now, so that's another level of war. Because the godly soul wants godliness. And the animal soul wants the enjoyment. And more, more, more specific, Deborah says, where is the real war between the godly soul and the animal soul when you're doing business? Why? Because the war of, of eating and all the other needs that we have for our body. So what's the goal? What's the war? The war is that when you eat, you shouldn't just eat because it tastes good. You should eat for the sake of Hashem. Not just because it's enjoyable, it tastes good. So knows what, what the war what the war that's taking place is you you're fighting that the, the desire and the pleasure should not be just for the self indulgence but it should be for God. However, when a person's involved in business, you have to be involved in it. You have to think: does it make sense? Is a good deal? It's not a good deal. It's the right time, etc. And like it says, Nasasa, like the test clearly did you do business faithfully? You have to get involved in the business. And that's one of the reasons it says that all, all business is called in Hebrew, Knan. What does Knan mean? Knan is like from a businessman. Why? Because what's the, mo, what's the main transformation that takes place is when you're buying, selling, you're dealing business. So in other words, like this. So the war of eating is like the water of, of a sword, like uh, on a spiritual level. In other words, where, 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 does, that, where does that take place? When when you when you're close to the other person, you know, that's the that's the difference between, for example, a, a bow and arrow. Bow and arrow, you're shooting from far. However, a sword is close by, so the war of eating is close by. But where's that? It's only in the place. However, when it comes to the war of business, it's literally one on one internal combat. It's not only in the place, but literally they both want to have full control of it. 
So the Rebbe is explaining in this in, in this point here is that there's different levels of combat. There's the prayer combat, like we discussed before, at great length, all the different levels. But then he's saying there's different other combat. There's the combat of prayer. There's combat when you're eating and drinking. It should be for God's name. Or when you're doing a business, you should do it for the sake of Hashem, and so on and so forth. So based on this, the Rebbe explains beautifully, and he says like this. That's why the verse says, Pada b'sholim nafshi, I re- redeem my soul in peace, mikravli, from those that are close to me. What does that mean? That even the transformation that we have to do, in Hebrew it's called avoidus habirurim, we're transforming the world in a way of krav, where it's close combat. <clears throat> Not only in a way of war, which people have the opposite side, but literally one-on-one combat. It should, what's the, what's the prayer? That it should be also be in a level of peace. And it should be in the highest level of peace. Just like the peace that was in the in days of King Solomon. And even higher, like we learned, when it's going to be Mashiach comes. Which is going to be a whole, whole different level of peace. Now, what's the reason why we should have that even though it's close combat, it should be in a level of peace? Like the verse says, imodi. The, what is that? And what does that mean? The Rebbe explains that when a person does the spiritual work of Rabbim Hayui Madi, which means, what does that mean, Rabbim Hayui Madi? You're awakening the Yerchida, like it's explained at length in the Hasidic discourse of the, of the Middle Earth, and like Rebbe explained for, that when we awaken our Yerchida, when we bring our Yerchida to, to the table, then, and everyone, the Rebbe says, has the power to, to uh, awaken and reveal the Yerchida, through that you have Padre Bashalom Nafshi. In other words, what they were saying is beautiful as follows. Which means like this. Yes, when you're dealing with one-on-one combat, the only way to have that should be a hundred peaceful is one way only. is by bringing out your chida. And as when, when you, the soul of the person that's working, that even you're involved, even in the physical world, to transform it, and whether it's through prayer, whether it's through eating, whether it's through business, but a person shouldn't get sucked into the world, sucked into the, in, into, in, into, uh, in, into the materialism, and you should be redeemed in a way of peace, up into the highest level of peace. Not only that, Rebbe says, that, e- that, that elevating the sparks of the world should be done in a way of peace. Like it says, Barabim, Hayuibadi, which, which um, that even the, 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 the sparks that begin with Barabim, they were all over the place. Because what does it mean all over the place? Rabbin Marie is referring to it in the, in the public place, which is, which is a place which is all over. So that should be included in the soul that's transforming it. Hayui Madi, they should become part with me, and they should be included what? Into the level of Yechida. So the Rabbi based on this, he has a, explains beautifully the verse. That what? When a person is facing combat and you want to have the highest level of peace, that you have to take from all the rabbim, from all the materialism, and imadi, bring it with me, with my yechidah. And the Rebbe finished off and he says that, that um, this is also the connection between the the, 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 the day of liberation of Yud Kislev, of the Mittler Rebbe, and Yitzhak Kislev, of the Alter Rebbe, with, with this verse of Prat of Hashal Nashi. Why? Because even though the redemption was from a place of Krov, where it was one-on-one combat, including the fact that the, the imprisonment came, that people went ahead and squealed, squealed on the, on the, on the Mittler Rebbe and the Alter Rebbe, people that had some kind of connection with Yiddishkeit, they were way of close. In other words, that this the fact that, the, that, the, that they got into trouble from the government came through people that were close to them, this was tre- there was a tremendous downgrade and, tre- and tremendous pain. But nevertheless, the redemption came in a way of peace and the highest level of peace. 
and 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 as because what ultimately the people that were against him fought for him, and this was become a preparation for the ultimate peace, where it's going to be when Mashiach comes, we're going to have the highest level of peace, which by us going ahead. And spreading and teaching the wellsprings of chassidus, like we're doing right now, we're teaching the chassidus on the internet, which started mainly in Yutis Kislev, and especially through the work of the Mitla Rebbe and Yud Kislev, that his teachings were in a way of rechayvus hanar. What the wellsprings were like totally flowing. In other words, he, he was he was able to. <clears throat> He was able to draw in the wellsprings in a way of tremendous abundance. Through that will merit that Mashiach will come. And then we're going to have peace and true peace on the highest level of peace. And as it says, uh, those that taste it will taste real life. That we're starting to taste now in a taste of what's being Mashiach comes. In the last days of exile, that we can, we can be busy with peace and joy and happiness in the spiritual work of spreading chassidus in a way that we continue to add and bring more light to the world. And as the Rebbe finishes off, very, very soon, we'll, mention, we'll merit what the Prophet says, that that night will shine like day with, with, with the coming of Mashiach. So again, obviously it's a beautiful, beautiful chassidic discourse with a very, very many, many practical lessons. And um, as the Rebbe finishes off and he says that ultimately when we bring out your Yechida, we'll have the ultimate peace, and that will give us the ultimate peace with the coming of Mashiach to Kenu. And let's hope and pray that next class will be with us, will be in your Shalayim Ir HaKodesh. Have a great and blessed week. Shavua Tov.